third is Suarez. Goodell comes running in. He's under it. Makes the catch. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Welcome back to Stupid Money Podcast. This is uh, an unplanned emergency episode. And under normal circumstances, I don't think this would be an emergency episode. The Phillies have done absolutely nothing so far this offseason, so this one was definitely worth it. But uh, Phillies have come to terms with utility player Whit Merrifield. I'm going to get this up here. So we can Dave saw my perfect offseason, and he had to do it. Yeah. We finally got one right. So, uh, yeah, J.P. Morosi here. Uh, Whit Merrifield's contract with the Phillies includes a $7 million base salary in 2024 with an $8 million club option or $1 million buyout for 2025, which I like because I'm still not sure what the bench is going to look like next year. So if it works out, very good. If it doesn't, you just cut ties after the year. So, um I don't know. I'm not going to get picky about money here. They needed the guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, according to Passan, uh, he can max out with incentives at 16 and a half million through two years. Mm-hmm. So the 7 million base salary for 2024, I mean, you definitely, we were kind of just talking about it before we started, but essentially he's a bench bat with major insurance and like you're not having to you know play weston wilson or expose him for extended periods of time or have schwarber have to go to the outfield i think for what what merrifield is i think it's a really good contract yeah and i mean we we talked about him and duvall and some other people all off season but it really did feel like they were missing a 10th man so to say um you know it's kind of funny because it seemed like uh, Whitmerfield was an obsession with Phillies fans for a while. And then Scott Kingery came around and it was, okay, we'll just turn Scott Kingery into Whitmerfield. And that blew up in their faces pretty bad. But now uh, Scott Kingery and Whitmerfield are both going to be in Phillies camp now this year, which is just kind of funny because Scott Kingery is coming back. But uh, let's take a look at where Fangraphs has him on this depth chart. And they have him as uh, an outfield infielder and a righty platoon with Brandon Marsh so far. So you can see Marsh is there with the red L and then Merrifield below with the blue R. Um, so they have Jake Cave coming out of this uh, bench. So I'm interested what you think because your only lefty option off the bench is now your backup catcher, Garrett Stubbs. So, you know, that's not the first, you wouldn't obviously make him your first lefty option off the bench if you needed one. But as you can see, this lineup is a little more lefty heavy than the majority in baseball. So maybe that's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, just kind of backing up a step and thinking about what like Merrifield kind of does. Like if Stott needed a day off last year, especially, let's focus on like the second half of the season when the roster looks more 
similar, at least the offense does, to what it is now in terms of personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, just going into the season, if Stott needs a day off, would you rather Whit Merrifield or Rodolfo Castro? Like, it's – I think for me, that's kind of what it boils down to. One, Merrifield's obviously a exponentially better hitter than Rodolfo Castro is. But then I don't remember what the splits were. I think Castro might have been better from – the right side but like you don't have to worry about you know platooning or trying to you know go at the deadline and get a platoon because I think especially since the new regime has kind of been in I think a lot of their moves have been centered around flexibility as far as you know looking at Merrifield as opposed to a Duvall because Merrifield can also play the infield or mm-hmm. leaving that bullpen spot open or getting the Dylan Coveys because they have those minor league options where you could bounce guys back and forth and not kind of handcuff yourself into one set position. Um, and I think a lot of that might be them kind of learning from signing Schwarber and Castellanos in the same offseason, loading up on that DH type position. Um so yeah, I think that's that's definitely a positive of Merrifield. As far as the bench, I I don't know what they'll do with with Cave because I yeah. think at this point it might be one of those times in his career where we saw what he did in AAA last year, but he's pretty old and he's bounced around a lot. So he might be one of those guys where if they try and option him down, he might just ask for a release and go somewhere where he can actually get major league at bats at this point. Um, yeah, so here it says he doesn't have an option. Yeah, so he'll – I mean, I'm, I'd assume that Jake Cave would pass waivers. We kind of saw what he was last year at the major league level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think they might just keep him around just because you don't want your only lefty to be the backup catcher because you don't want to burn him um, in most games. So – I don't know. I I could see Castro getting DFA'd or something along those lines. It'll be interesting to see. I know last year we kind of talked about how it was a good thing going into spring training, trying to figure out the biggest question mark we had really was who's going to be the fifth starter. And Mm -hmm. at this point this year, it's kind of like, uh, who are they going to keep as the last man on the bench? Right. Uh, Side note, every single outfielder in – Triple A and double A is lefty. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, this is clearly a, a, so to say, like first world country problem that we're worried about who the bench guys are. Um, but yeah, this this is something they, they had to do, I feel like. Um, I, I still think there's a chance Cave stays and maybe Pache... See, like, I don't know if they feel like they made strides with Pache this offseason or not. Like, if if they feel like he improved and what they did to kind of fix him last year to where he was at least playable, if they feel like they built on that, I think they're going to keep him as, like, their project. But Cave does have the first base flexibility, which I think they like. But if you have Sosa, who can play third, and Merrifield, I guess, could play some third, then technically, I guess, Bohm is your insurance for Harper. So I, maybe it doesn't matter in a sense then if you have two guys in your bench that could play third and then move Bohm to first if something happens to Harper. Yeah. Um, Pache is interesting because, you know, he was awful with the A's and they, mm-hmm. they 
even though he, they kind of got him when he was like a top 25 prospect in the sport. He never yeah. really got traction with the Braves. And then he had that like first stretch with us where he was horrible. And then he had that kind of month stretch from the Miami home run to until he popped the screw out of his elbow where he was pretty good. I think he's definitely not going to be a DFA. I shouldn't say definitely, but I would be very surprised if they DFA'd him just because he's much younger than Cave. I think if Pache wasn't on the team moving forward, it's because they found a t- team that's kind of rebuilding a bit and just you know dumped him off as a trade piece to somebody to mm-hmm. clear up a roster space or something. I don't see them DFAing Pache, even though his skill set with Rojas is very repetitive and they overlap a lot. Um, it doesn't make sense to carry both of them, but at the same time, I'd rather keep Pache around in terms of value than I would Cave. Yeah, I, I guess because he can play all three outfield, and he's a guy you would you know pinch run with if Schwarber got on base or Cassianos got on base late in a game, mm-hmm. and you wanted you wanted to pinch run. Um, you know, he gives you that because he is he is the fastest guy on this bench now. I think so. Like. Merrifield was a very fast player. I'll I'll, I'll get a last, page up, but I have I had a uh, last year. Merrifield was in the 85th percentile in sprint speed at 28.7 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's 80th in base or running value right here. Miles an hour, feet per second, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, as you can see, like his like number, like his expanded numbers here are not exactly the best um but the thing is maybe that's okay because they have a lot of dudes on the team that just hit the ball hard and you know they strike out a ton and it's low averages a lot of you know a lot of walks a lot of strikeout or a lot of home runs a lot of strikeouts and now here he's in the 81st percentile in strikeout percentage and 82nd in whiff and i mean he's the he's the contact bat that we've been kind of asking for i mean he chases a a good amount seven or 25th percentile in you know chase percentage or chase rate he doesn't mm-hmm. walk too much but his whip's very low and his strikeout's very low the only worrisome part with that is if it's you know the the contact numbers aren't particularly good in terms of exit velocity and barrel so does that lead to you know a lot of fish double play type things um, that's the only you know major worry with that kind of batted ball profile. But I think a lot of his numbers took a hit um, in August and September last year. If you look at the splits by month, he hit 320 in April and March. He hit 270 in May. He hit 280 in June, and he hit 356 in July. Hey, you can um, see that right here. Yeah. Yeah. So you you kind of you worry about the stats kind of dipping at the end of the season, but also if you're kind of using him sporadically and not exposing him every single day and picking his spots against good matchups, I think you could kind of favor at least a median of those numbers and maybe more towards the higher side if you're putting him in positions to succeed as opposed to, you know, tough righties every single day of the week. Yeah. Um, curious about his fielding here because they have him as a below average fielder on here and i don't know how much of that is the fact that 
he does play so many different positions that it's hard to properly quantify what he is. But yeah, um, he so kind of like we said with him being signed, it's more so him being insurance for Marsh, and then Marsh being the center field insurance for Rojas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of Merrifield stuff will kind of come down to the last two years. We haven't really seen them trust Marsh against lefties as much. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of match that up now that they have a proven, you know, right-handed bat behind them as opposed to some of the other guys. Uh, left field. Oh, here we go. Last, last year, his he played, I think he played 81 games in left and the numbers weren't great, but also he had one error in 81 games. So like, yes, the the numbers aren't great, but he's fast and Citizens Bank Park left field's not particularly tough to play. Um, as far as, you know, walls and scalings and stuff like that, especially with Rojas being in center. So like mm-hmm. it, if you're kind of just weighing it out and arguing that it's a bad contract, uh, I think the only reason that I could tend to agree would be because of where they're at as far as the tax. But if you're just looking at insurance or upgrades, you let Marsh be the backup um, for Rojas in center field where we've seen him be an above average defender. And then you don't have to worry about putting Schwarber in left when Marsh goes to center. You now have Merrifield who might be a, below average defender as far as metrics go, but he had one error in 81 games and he's fast. So you'll miss some of the, the blunders that Schwarber's lack of speed uh, created. Yeah. I mean, I, we're just looking for average offense, I think, yeah. or a defense. I mean, um, yeah, I, they, they, because the guys that were out there were just so below average and they still made it as far as they've made it the last two uh, playoffs that mm-hmm. just having average is a huge step up because you know the ceiling of this team was game six of the World Series with bad defense. Then you know what is it with with good defense with just average defense? You're thinking it's a World Series win. So you know I I'm not too caught up in defensive metrics because I you just have to be better than Schwarber and sometimes Castellanos, which I think is the case here definitely. Um, and all of a sudden this is like a decent defensive team because if you have Rojas in center where he's best, Marsh is better in left and center. Um, you know, Cassianos, it's, it's whatever. He doesn't make errors, but he doesn't make special plays. We think Harper is a way better first baseman than Hoskins. Realmito's probably lost a step, but he's still pretty good back there. Stott is on his way to being a perennial gold glove type guy. Uh, Turner said today when he went to the media that he – thinks there's more defensive potential in there for him than he's shown. Uh, he said he's, you know, putting too much pressure on himself, which we kind of knew. And, you know, Bohm's going to be Bohm. Uh, it is what it is over there. But overall, this team is a lot better defensively. Now having Merrifield as a bench option does help that too. Yeah, I mean, if you kind of just look at awards, Marsh was a gold glove finalist and left the year that they traded for him. Mm-hmm. Stott was a gold glove finalist last year. Rojas like led the league in defensive run saves since the time he got called up last year. And then Wheeler was a gold glove winner last yeah, year. Yeah, he, he won. He won. Yeah. And then Rangers a better fielder than Wheeler is. So mm-hmm. like 
you have a lot of you know award nominee type players across the diamond i know it's at least for me it's really tough to kind of merit what a pitcher's gold glove is just because they get you know so little action i know a lot of pickoffs go into it and stuff like that and just fielding you know the slim mm-hmm. amount that goes back to them but you have very sure-handed people across the diamond and i think the key to them being a good borderline great defensive team will be see where Turner kind of falls on, on that pendulum. We've seen him be good in years past when he was with Washington and um, the Dodgers for some years. And we saw him be really bad for a few months last year. So I think if he could kind of just back, get back to being, you know, average and good, um, we saw the double play that he turned against the Braves in the playoffs. Like we know it's there. It's just a matter of being consistent. And I think we kind of, we've seen what Bobby Dickerson's been, been able to do with Bohm and Stott kind of just working with those guys consistently. So hopefully another full spring training with Turner and kind of looking at film and where he was at last year, kind of having that whole spring with them to not just get acclimated with each other, but analyze where they went wrong. Um, that'll definitely be beneficial. Yeah, um, I'm reading through Twitter here, and some people are concerned that this signing maybe means that Marsh is not going to be ready for opening day. I know we were in the boat that this needed to happen anyway. Um, Do you still feel the way we felt all offseason, or do you think that they were more motivated to do this move because they don't know exactly what's up with marsh um I, I i mean they know what's up with them but they don't know his expect you know maybe they're not so sure on his return date i think the the phillies and just surgeries the last few years have just thrown me off sir anthony yeah. took forever to get tommy john harper i know he got like the surgery two weeks after the world series so like i get it enjoy like two weeks of your, your off season to, to wind down and everything and, you know, come to the decision that you want to do. But the Marsh injury, they said, apparently he kind of attributed or hinted that it was back to that play. in I think St. Louis or Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. So like, okay, you don't want to get it in the season. You could play through it. I get that. But then why wait until like January or whatever you got it? Um, I'm I'm not overly concerned about him, but like if if people are worried that he's more injured than they're letting on, then hell yeah, they signed Whit Merrifield. Like that just makes the signing even better. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's it's cause for a concern. It it could just be like media talk that they're not really, you know, letting on that it's not a big deal for Marsh. Like that's right definitely possible that that it's a bigger deal than it is but also they're doing what they had to do in case it is like it's not like a a desperation panic move they signed uh an above average player throughout his career to a a good contract that gives you flexibility i i don't see an issue with that yeah um i really don't either uh and it 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 makes sure that you don't have to rush marsh back if he is more hurt than than needed um because that'll just make it worse. Right. Yeah, I, I'm i not – I think it's fine. I don't think it's like Marsh is going to miss two months or anything. 
you know, that crazy. But what I will say on Merrifield that, you know, his type of player has been on like some really good teams before you think about when the Phillies played the Rays in the World Series, they had Zobrist. And then Madden brought Zobrist to Chicago with him and they won the World Series. And all those good Dodgers teams had Kike Hernandez playing all over the mm-hmm. diamond. You know, just just having that kind of uh player is huge. And Phillies finally kind of have that guy. I know he's past his prime and we're not asking him to play all 162, but after trying to get Mary Field for years and trying to turn Scott Kingery into that, it feels like they finally have that guy that a lot of great teams recently have had. Yeah, I think it's a necessity, and I think it's good to see the organization start to value like that, the flexibility that I talked about earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Like most of the, most of these guys that they're signing are athletic enough to play multiple positions. And I think that's a good thing because it allows you to, if a guy starts slumping, you can mix and match your lineups. Or if a guy gets injured, like Marsh might be, you you can mix and match your lineups and not really like you're signing good players that are athletic enough to do different things where you're not necessarily missing a step or having to play, you know, these triple a players that have had great numbers in the minors, but then you call them up and, either the moment's too big or they're just completely overmatched. Like you're getting major league guys who have been all-stars throughout the course of their career to slot into those positions. And you're not asking them to play 162 and get exposed. Yeah. Um, I think this is a good one. The one thing I was, Merrifield does not have a ton of playoff experience. Um, he came up right after the Royals kind of went on their little run. They had in the mid 20 teens or I guess that's what you call it. Yeah. Um, cause this guy who came up when he was 27, I mean, yeah. he's 35 and only has seven years of service time. So not, you don't see that every day. Um, a late bloomer, but he's here now. And if it goes well, he'll be here next year too. But, uh, big signing in a sense for the Phillies, because it does feel like they really did need another body out there and not just body, but someone that you can rely on to play both sides of the ball. Yeah. And I think. Another thing, he, if Schwarber ever needs a day off or something, I know we talk about it a lot, who should be the leadoff guy. He's another option, guy who can hit mm-hmm. at the top of the order. He is, again, he's, you know, past his prime, but the sprint c- speed was still in the 85th percentile, and he has multiple seasons of 40 doubles and 40 stolen bases. Like the guy, when he was on the Royals a few years ago, it seemed like he stole a base every night. Like he... Has, even though he's, you know, maybe lost a step a bit, he's still fast enough and he still has all the technique in the world to steal, you know, 20 bases, even with limited uh, innings played and limited at-bats. Yeah. Um, so an exciting move here. We'll see if the Phillies stay on the uh, stay on the pedal here. Montgomery is still out there. Snell is still out there. I do not expect them to get involved with Bellinger at this point or no. – even a Duvall or a Rosario. Um, I mean, they could totally overhaul the bench. We'll see. I mean, that <laughs> does get a little expensive. But if these guys sit out there, I mean, bringing in someone like Duvall and Rosario, both have significant playoff experience. So, I mean, if they're out there, I think about it. But I, think uh, I highly the, doubt that. The only, the only reason that I don't think they'll do that is because it's come out so much this week that 
the Wheeler extensions at the top of their priority. And yeah. apparently the the starting offer that his agents went in with was Scherzer's AAV. So um yeah, that's Yeah, it starts with a four apparently. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It if sounds that's like the three one twenty. So it's if that's the starting point, you're either gonna have to give him way too many years, which I don't necessarily love for that type of pitcher. Obviously, yeah. Wheeler's been great. I'm not saying that I don't want them to re-sign Wheeler, but historically the power pitcher is not aged well. So like I don't know how I feel about signing him through like 39 or 40, but then if you don't want to do that, then you have to give him, you know, 45 or 50 million. So yeah, I don't know how much a, a Monty or a Snell makes sense if you really want to prioritize Wheeler. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, I, it just sucks that Andrew Painter is not an option this year. I feel like yeah. no, if he was an option this year, no one is talking about Snell or Montgomery right now. And um, I think my my thing is too. This isn't anything against Christopher Sanchez. It's more so against Taiwan Walker. I think. Oh, me too. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and yeah, I've said I, I this like, a thousand times. But yeah, I like Sanchez a lot, and I think Taiwan Walker is good for the regular season, but. We saw his – he had as many postseason stats as you and I did. So, like I, – I can't get over the $18 million cheerleader. Like, I, I would have done it for 100 bucks a game. Like, seriously. Boehm just won his arbitration case. So, he got four? Yeah. Mm, interesting. I mean, look, th- we're splitting hairs with 3.4 versus 4 for, for a guy that plays every day. I, like, I don't care. Well, at this point – depending on who the player is, make them happier or else they'll end up like Corbin Burns. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Honestly. Yeah. Good for the, uh, good for the Orioles. And now it sounds like they might be in on Luzardo because uh, Radish looks like he might be headed for Tommy John sprained UCL. Yeah. Take, take him, get him out, get him out of the division and the pirates could have Cabrera from the Marlins too. get him out of the division. Okay. Just make the Marlins trash. Um, I just want this Phillies versus Braves all all season. I want them going back and forth all all season. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this one. Uh, I said the next time you'll see us will be when the Phillies top 30 prospects is released, and that'll probably still be the case because I think that's sometime next week. It's usually the third or fourth week of February that comes out. So that'll be the next time you see us, unless Montgomery or Snell or Classe or Jansen somehow does end up here. Uh so if those things happen before that, you'll see us. If not, you'll see us for the top 30 uh, preview, review, both, I guess. But you'll see us then.